So we probably need to get this out of the way right at the front of the episode. Risa looks like the set of the Golden Girls. Yes, and I kind of hope that there was going to be a crossover happening. I think that that would have been amazing. I think that if Vosh had been played by, say, Betty White or Rue McClanahan. No, she was a Rue McClanahan, definitely. Yeah, I, I think that would have been pretty cool. And perhaps... And then you have the Ferengi played by Dorothy. Yeah, that would have been good. And Sophia's the, I haven't mastered the basics of Hoverbolt yet, lady. Really, there's a missed opportunity for a great crossover between science fiction and gay men, is what we're saying. Um, what did you think about Captain's Holiday? I thought it was a uh, it was another great filler episode. You know, nothing. It wasn't the most major, but it was a fun little romp starring Captain Picard. It was totally Picard's show. We, you know, funny enough, it was the other cast members got their vacation. It was just a nice little. Star Trek does a nice little exotic adventure story, and I liked it. I hadn't really remembered much about this episode, and I rewatched it, and I think it's fucking hilarious. Oh, it's a very funny episode, it's, yeah. It's not something that I would watch a lot, because I think that it would lose its charm if yeah. you watched it too much. Charming. No, that is it. It's, it's probably, yeah, char- I think it's a charming episode. I mean, if you watched it, you know, maybe once a year, once every other year, I think that's about as much as you need to see Captain's Holiday. And... There's not a lot of meat. This isn't a, you know, a moral episode of Star Trek. No. There's no lessons here. Maybe just, you know, don't blindly trust people who claim to be the police from the 27th century, I guess, would be the moral. Um, and that's, so fuck the future police is basically. Ba- yeah, basically. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, and I think one of the things that I like the most about the episode is that it gets, we get to see Picard in a different light and we get to see Picard in... Uh, sort of the range of Picard, which yeah. is grumpy and then kind of sexy. Yeah, I was going to say, Picard got some, and good for him. In a cave. Hey. Which I think is some sort of... Symbolic. Sim- yeah, there's some symbolism It's a Yonic symbol, yes. I just like how interested everyone is in getting Picard laid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Riker's really into it. Troy's really into it. Uh, I think Data probably even wants Picard to get laid. He's just really grumpy for some reason, and he needs a vacation. Well, that's Cru- it. Like, Crusher wants yeah. to get him laid. I don't know why Crusher didn't go to Risa with him. Yeah, I don't know either, but maybe she had to doctor. That could be. <laughs> and I don't really, you know, there's there's a lot of, like, fun moments in the episode. I think it's just very, very... It's a very well done comedy episode, and it's something that Star Trek doesn't do that often. So I think it's nice to appreciate them when they do it well. And it was, yeah, it wasn't an overly broad comedic episode. It wasn't a cringeworthy like they didn't have Joe Piscopo, you know, to do their comedy for them. But it was just Picard in a situation that he does. It's Picard getting bothered for a lot of the episode, and when a char- when a character gets amusingly it's annoyed it's a very funny thing you know we know that you know we all know that yes picard just needs to have fun he needs to loosen up he needs to relax yeah he needs to get laid in a way and you know we see him grumping around and it's funny to see him grumping around and we get to see him with his shirt off and that's nice and then he uh he goes on an adventure and he has a great time you know i i kind of figure i think he has the woman's number from the very beginning and he just kind of goes along with what she's saying to go along with it because you know better than sitting around on the beach yeah and he even says as much i mean yeah. he basically says oh I, I i think he says something like i knew you were trouble from the moment i saw yeah. you or something which in one hand is kind of like a, a, a kind of a cringeworthy line but i, I think well, it he was... does read all of those private eye holodecks 
Yeah, maybe. He yeah, just, I mean, that is a line from. Uh, maybe he's. Pre- oh, that's true. Maybe he's like. Maybe is this? Is he cosplaying as? Uh, as uh, what's his uh, name? What's his I don't name? remember what oh his name. Oh my god, uh, Dick Gumshoe or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I like the fact that this is him in a real Dick Gumshoe adventure. Yes, it, it is. That is not the real name. I know it's not. But okay. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't know why I'm having trouble remembering that. But oh well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm muddy from allergies. It's all right. Uh, and I like that, you know, he's – there's sort of a playful side to Picard in this episode. It's something we don't get to see very often. I think this may have been one of the first times that we saw the playful side of Picard, honestly. He comes across as – I mean, obviously, I think this is a way to uh, give Patrick Stewart something to do other than be in command – um, yeah, without getting possessed by an alien force or something like that. Right. I, I had read that he wanted uh, more sex and guns for Picard, which on <laughs> the one hand could be really bad. But I think they did the best they could do with that. And you get to see Picard relaxing and you get to see Picard you get to see how Picard likes to relax because obviously he's not having a good time just kind of hanging out on the beach or whatever. Um, you know, he, he's, he's kind of a, I don't want to say he's a stick in the mud, but he definitely is someone who doesn't know how to relax. He's a bit he's, uptight. I wouldn't say uptight. I mean, antsy maybe in a way, but he definitely, he's the kind of person who needs to be doing something. I need to be, you know, even when he's relaxing in his quarters, I am reading a book. I mean, those are all the kind of, those are all the kind of books that you read and you say, I accomplished something by reading this book. I mean, reading Ulysses is an accomplishment. Reading Moby Dick is an accomplishment. And he's, he's figuring like, all right, well, if I have all of this time, I'm going to accomplish something. I'm going to finally read that book that I meant to read. You know, when he's on his downtime, when he has two hours where he can just do whatever, he's still accomplishing things. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. I mean, Picard likes to feel like he's being productive at all moments. Yeah, and being lazy is not a way to relax him. Yeah, and if anything, I mean, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, there's been sort of all of these articles that have been coming out recently about how people feel too busy and overscheduled and how this is really a uh, a, a problem of our own devising yeah. and, and people just need to learn how to relax. And, uh, you know, maybe we just need to all watch Captain's Holiday to learn that, feeling like you need every moment to be productive in your life is probably not the best way to have a fulfilling life. Yeah. You know, when, when Picard is able to sort of let his, let his hair down, what hair he has and goes with Vosh and sort of tries to find out this, where this thing is and everything, you know, there's, it's, it's kind of a weird, it kind of colors his character in a weird way also because he's very, he seems very naive in this episode uh, when the aliens are in his quarters and they're like, we are police from the 27th century and we are here to find this object. And he's like, yeah, cool. All right. I'll help you guys out. He doesn't ask any questions. He doesn't ask to see any sort of proof. Um, and also at the same time that he believes that Vosh, you know, is up on the up and up. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, it's revealed, of course, that he perhaps doesn't do that as much. But it seems that. Yeah. You know, we don't want to see Picard relaxed because a relaxed Picard is a kind of a, a, a not a careful Picard. Yeah, you think he's almost saying like, yeah, yeah, I'll find your good you know, thing. Like, just get the hell out of my room. Like, look, I just want to sleep, you know, like he's he's you know, maybe he's just agreeing to things. And, you know, he almost goes along with this because 
well, it's inevitable. This shit is just following me. And all right, let me get this. Let me solve this mystery so I so I can get back to that book. Yeah, pretty much. What what, what did you make of Vosh as a character, though? You know, I liked her because the the, the episode wanted me to like her. Yes, um, you know, she was spunky. She was a good foil for Picard in the episode. The two of them had a good, you know, banter, and that that's as much as you needed this character to be. She was, you know what I mean. She's not going to go down as one of the great, you know, guest stars in Star Trek history, you know. But I, I, I didn't mind hanging out with her in this episode, and it was kind of fun. I think I, you know, yeah, I like her because she's kind of a female character that we don't get to see a lot in Star Trek. She's kind of basically she's a dame. You know? Yeah. And she's very capable. She's very much her own woman. She's like a Lady Han Solo in some ways, you know? A, a little Lady Akana. Yeah, a little bit. I think so. And But, but of course, much better written because well. we're in the third season by now. And I like the fact that she's very playful with Picard and she's very... I think she's, she's playful and she's playing him, right? Yeah. And I don't know that Picard picks up on that at first and i don't know that picard realizes exactly what's going on you know again this is a picard that is a little a little naive a little not careful and you know it really goes to show you that well it seems he's more preoccupied in a way like he's really just kind of looking to just put his sunglasses and a hat and you know and just get the hell to the beach so that way no one can bug him and he can get this vacation over with like i think in a way, he kind of doesn't really think about, you know, their first encounter as it's happening because, you know, it's just part of the stress of travel for him. You know, he doesn't, you know, he sees all of these women, you know, talking to him. You know, he, he, he views their attentions as a little unwelcome. I think he, for a while, does think she's just doing some weird pretext for, you know, from what he's been told, all the women on Risa are, you know, looking for whatever, for Ja Rule or whatever. Jamaharan, I think it's called. yeah. That sounds delicious. Jamiroquai. Um, Jamiroquai. They're all right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, and I think the, the Horgon is another way that this, <laughs> this show is sort of subtly telling us that this is a Picard that is less than normal because he he doesn't really pick up on the fa- – you know, he thinks that this is just what Ryzen women do, I guess. And, you know, Riker tricking him into yeah. displaying the Horgon so that all of these women would approach him is, on the one hand, it's a little creepy – I think, because Riker is trying to get his captain laid. Yeah, um, he has essentially told his captain to get an open for business sign. Yeah, pretty much. But although, you know, Picard is dressed like that, so there, there is there is. So you're saying that. because of how he's dressed, look, at you know, he obviously wanted it? Okay. Yes, I am. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's exactly what I'm saying. I understand. I'm, I'm horrible. Yes. Um, and then I think on the other hand, it's kind of sweet. You know, I you know, I I'm not sure actually if Riker necessarily intended for Picard to be displaying the Horgon. He just wanted to have one. I don't. He's not. You know, Riker is not. Will not be upset to learn that it had an effect on him, and he will. You know, he will find that a very funny story. But I think that might have just been an inverted, and maybe he did find some amusement in making his captain buy something that he didn't know what it was, like. I think that that's true. I think it's a, more of a body joke on Riker's part that went better than he intended it to go. And you do have to wonder why Riker thought that Picard would like Ryza. Because, of course, this is the kind of planet that Riker would love, right? I mean, yeah. Riker's week on Ryza was just full of orgies, yes. basically, I'm oh, imagining. Yeah. 
Um, boy, did I imagine. <laughs> but Picard is not really the type of person that would get any satisfaction out of going to Rises. So it, it seems strange that they would be pushing him to go here. Um, and maybe they just knew that he needed to relax a little bit. And, and, and this was an opportunity for them to treat Picard as more of a person and less of their yeah. captain. I mean, it's what, you know, Dr. Crusher says, you know, you hate going on vacation. You know, he hates packing. He hates, you know, the, the travel he hates. It. He's like, but once you're there, you know, you'll have a great time, you know? And I think they kind of figured like, look, rice is just that good. It has the best food. It's really beautiful, you know? And yeah, but uh, you know, as it turns out, Picard does meet a woman that he get, you know gets along with. I think they kind of figured that out of everybody on the planet, he would find somebody. It's a romantic atmosphere. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, at the same time, though, I sort of can sympathize with Picard because yeah. I don't. I'm not the kind of person that necessarily likes to go on beach vacations. No. So, you know, I'm the kind of person that is, you know, plans a trip to go to Poland to visit Auschwitz. You yeah, know, like at that's... the same time, you get the sense that there is enough history on this planet that, you know, I'm sure if he wanted to sign up for a tour, you could have found something, you know. Well, I think, okay, so... I'm so... sure it has a lot of natural wonders that they, you know... Well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the, the sort of MacGuffin of the episode, because... I don't want to talk specifically about that because it's really not that important. Yeah, I was saying the ep- the episode doesn't care about its plot really. It's... No, the plot is a way to just have a good time. Yeah, I exactly. Think. I... And you know what I what I like about it though is that it's obviously insane. Yeah. <laughs> like here's a device which is missing, which can stop fusion in a star. Okay, that that yeah, sounds yeah. like it would be very bad. <laughs> But what what we have is instead of Picard immediately contacting the Enterprise and saying, okay, we need to find this thing because this is really dangerous, which would happen in a normal episode of the show, kind of he instead just sort of throws up his hands and pretends that he's not a starship captain in this episode. And at the same time, he's not willing to entertain uh, Sovak, for instance, because he finds Sovak to be very annoying. (laughs) <laughs> That's the Ferengi. The Ferengi, right. Well, he's a Ferengi. All Ferengi are annoying. I guess it's okay to be racist against the Ferengi because, of course, Picard says that he doesn't like Ferengi. Yes. Um, Listen, you said that it was all right that, you know, women could approach Kurt, uh, Picard because of how he's dressed. I can hate Ferengi. Yeah. But what, you know, what what did you think of Sovak, though? Because this is the first time that we've seen a Ferengi since the price earlier. And, and I think, it you know, it's kind of funny because... You know, I think the show recognizes that Ferengi didn't happen. And so when, you know, he's saying like, oh, you know, you've never, you know, met a, you know, when, when Picard's talking to him and, you know, he's just like, yeah, shut up, you know, leave me alone, you know, and he's like, oh, we're a Ferengi, you know, we're supposed to know that they have a fearsome reputation, but they're really kind of paper tigers and you can buy them off really easily. You can trick them really, you know, we... I think the show recognizes that that was just kind of not really a great idea. And I like that because it it kind of makes them it makes him a more interesting villain in a way because he isn't completely incompetent in this episode. He does get the drop on them for a while. Um he is a threat, you know, to a degree. Yeah, I would agree with that and I think what I like about the way that they handle the Ferengi in this episode is that they they don't forget the past and they yeah. don't forget that they were sort of the early antagonist of the show. 
they don't forget that Picard has had many dealings with them and perhaps has no reason to like Ferengi because every time yeah. Ferengi have been on this show and even going back as far as the Stargazer incident when um, you know that that caused him to to have some severe problems with Starfleet that uh, none of them have gone well yeah. and that this here's another Ferengi who's just bothering the hell out of him for apparently no reason once he gets sort of enmeshed in the in the plot of the episode and, and Vosh and he are sort of off having their own adventures, uh, Indiana Jones style, that, uh, you know, the Ferengi becomes even more of a problem for Picard. And at the same time is, I think, it's kind of a fake out on the show's part yeah. because we have not really been seeing the Ferengi as obvious villains for a while. And we expect Sovak to probably be incompetent, but the fact that he's not totally incompetent, I think is a nice fake out on the episodes part. Yeah. And the fact that he's not completely in the wrong in the episode, because, you know, yes, you know, him making the deal with, uh, Vash to, uh, you know, for her to take this for him wasn't uh, was a very unethical and wrong thing to do. But at the end, she did. You know, he did get screwed. He didn't get what he paid for. I mean, it's you know, it's funny. I am kind of mapping this in my head to like a Maltese Falcon type of story. Like, you know, he is supposed to be a kind of slimy character. Like he's played by Peter Lorre. If this were made in the thirties, you know, that that's the kind of you know that's the kind of story that this is. And you know, that is kind of the fun of it that it. You know, the story does twist a couple times, you know, who is in charge of the situation. And, you know, it does – it is – it's a space noir, this one. You know? Yeah, abs- Which turns absolutely. out – yeah, that does turn out to be the perfect vacation for Picard. He does like solving a mystery. Yeah, I guess that's true. And, I mean, at the end of the day, when he comes back to the Enterprise and they ask him if he had a good time, he goes, uh-huh. <laughs> so that's what – you know. And you know he's going to enjoy yelling at Riker. Yeah, but don't we all enjoy yelling at Riker? He's going to be gesturing with that thing as he, and, you know, of course, it's, you know, essentially the statue, the Horgon is essentially a giant cock, like it's a dildo, basically, a symbol of a carving, a fertility phallus. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'll give this one six Horgons. Six Horgons? I'll give it six as well, because I laughed at it. All right. I wouldn't watch it that often. Well, let's move on to Tin Man. I I loved this episode. Did not like this episode. This is probably one of my. I really like this. This is one of the better ones I've seen in a while. Why? Because I really like really weird non-humanoid aliens, and this is about one. But it wasn't interesting. They didn't do anything with it. Uh, you know, it I, was just a bunch of mystical mumbo jumbo. I like mystical mumbo jumbo, and I like data, and I like that this was a data episode. Uh, I didn't like the guest star, but I thought it was I, I thought it was an interesting premise. I liked the plot of this episode. My problems with this episode are many. Okay, and I had not remembered disliking this episode, but watching it was an entirely disagreeable experience. Okay, the guest star of the week is another asshole. Oh yeah, which is tiresome. The alien is poorly explained and is just filled with mystical mumbo jumbo, which, frankly, I have no patience for. And it's not even well done in this episode, and it's not explained. If you're going to have mystical mumbo-jumbo, at least have it be logically internally consistent. There's no effort made whatsoever to have this make any sense. 
I don't understand why they would be going after this thing in the first place. I don't understand why the Romulans are, would care or were even involved in this episode. It just seemed to be a way to ratchet up the tension because without that, it would have been a terrible episode. I think that this episode probably would have fit into the second season. Okay. That's fair. If but... this were actually a good episode of the show at this point, I think the Romulans would not have been in it at all because the Tin Man stuff could have filled up the hour. And it doesn't. And they frankly don't do enough with data to really I like the data stuff. The data yeah. stuff and is maybe, the one part of the show that I like. Maybe that was it. Maybe I really liked the data stuff. Um I think one. it's you know, and I, I can kind of see on a first watch this being like a, a, a decent a episode, but I remembered this being more of a data episode than it was, and while the data stuff is really interesting, there's just not anything done with it to make me think that it's important in any way. Okay. I I, I don't know if you're spoiling for a fight on this one, but I'm not going to say that, you know. Yeah, let's all right, you're All right, well, I think you're stupid for not liking the Tin Man because it was the finest episode of Star Trek. It was a tense situation. You didn't know who was in control. You wonder, what's Data going to do next? What's this guy going to do next? How does Troy fit into it? What's the Romulan up to? And by the time we're out, we realize that Data had found his place. Well, I told you why I dislike it. Why do you like it? I Because of, because of this feeling of finding one's place with... I don't know. I thought that was a kind... I. It's kind of stupid, but I do find that a kind of a touching theme. And I think the main thing about Data is that I liked Data's relationship to this guy. And what was his name? I don't even remember. Tam or something. River Tam. I really like Data's and his relationship. Named after Australian cookies, I think. I love Australian cookies. Um, I find the idea of... You know, telepathy or mind control or whatever, you know, emotion sensing. I find that a very interesting concept. I know that Star Trek doesn't necessarily always have that very consistent. I kind of have to accept that as part of the fabric of the world. You know, it's going, you know, mind melding is whatever the plot requires it to be at that point. Um, That all said, I like the idea of, I, I liked the conversation where he's, you know, saying, you know, I, it's really nice to be able to get to know somebody for the first time. You know, Data is the first person that he hasn't immediately, you know, known everything in a second. He's somebody that he uh, has to talk to. And he, Data is the first person who he's been able to interact with as any other person. And also, I will say that uh, Data doesn't seem to like him very much. Um, there's that scene in Data's quarters where Tam is sort of trying to get to know Data and is making small talk yeah. with him and is like, oh, you paint, you do this. And Data seems very skeptical about the whole thing. He wants to work. Um, and I think if the episode had teased hmm. that out more, if the episode had had more scenes like that where yeah. Tam was trying to get to know Data and Data was perhaps a little standoffish, because frankly, Tam is a dick to everybody that Data considers a friend. I don't think it's it's unreasonable to expect Data to not have a great opinion of Tam in the beginning. And no, what what they do instead is they waste a lot of time on the Romulans. And yeah, if and I I I, I frankly don't think that the episode needed that external threat. I think you could have had a really interesting episode that had teased out more of the. Data and Tam stuff without having any of this other external threat in there. 
You know, I think we need to have the element of the Romulans to show this creature viewing, to show how this creature can react to the Enterprise. In other words, you know, it was important that just this creature can easily destroy the Romulan ship and very easily damage the Enterprise from very far away. That's that's a useful function. And that well, I mean, I don't. I guess I don't understand why we need to know that. I don't know. I mean, it. it I mean, in a way, it's like I don't. I don't want to get into the habit of rewriting episodes to see what they could be. Better no, but as. I can I mean, see we, a better written version of this episode. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, we need we with need the Romulan to... stuff. Much sorry, much more downplayed. And yes, more of the character stuff filling in that place. If this had been a let, if this had had less of an artificial, in a way, conflict. Yes, absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of really um, organic sort of person to person conflict here, which would be really good. I le- I mean, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. I think Tam is an interesting character as far as he goes. I think if he had been, um, you know, I, I find him tiresome as a character just because he is a, a, another in a long line of Starfleet dicks. Yeah, but... and I don't think you're necessarily supposed to end liking him. Like, I didn't like him by the end of the episode. I was happy that you know, he finds his place and his purpose. Like, that That I think was good, and I think... But I think that's that pales in comparison to it having, you know, to data realizing what he has. Do you know well, what I mean? Well, yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's kind of a problem with the episode that, that we're asked to care as much about Tam as we do in his own internal struggles because we don't know him as a character. And that's why I say it seems like a second season episode because... He has links to some of our main characters, obviously. Yes. And this episode has some things to say about Data and Data's place on the Enterprise and in Starfleet and the Federation and humanity. But we're also asked to really be invested in uh, this alien creature. We're also being asked to really be invested in Tam's sort of internal growth as a person. And... While I like his interactions with Data quite a bit, and I also like the one scene that he and Troy have in his quarters where she basically calls him out on his shit and says, look, I I know you. You don't have to act like a dick around me. Like, what's going on? And suddenly he drops the facade, and we see the person that he actually is not a bad guy. No. I like this person. But there's just not enough – there's not enough meat in the episode to justify – uh, his his transformation, I think. And also the fact of the matter is that there would be no reason for him to keep this information back from Picard as well. That that he's in contact with Tin Man until until the Romulan threat appears. That that just seems like an artificial plot device to me. And to a degree, all plots are artificial, of course. This is this is a show, this is not real life, but I, I don't. No, they, I don't like it when the strings are that visible. They don't justify it enough. I mean, they make some minor noise, like, "Well, no, you know, telepath can, you know," and but at the same time, that's not. I think they all recognize that that is something about Tin Man that they should know anyway. It's not like he's revealing anything about himself that he didn't want to. Do you know what I mean? Right, exactly. And I, I, I kind of see that, uh, you know, he, he doesn't do that because perhaps he feels he feels protective of Tin Man. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's not something that is 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 even sort of hinted at in the episode. So this is something that we're sort of making up, which is not perhaps the best way to talk about the episode. Maybe this is one where I really like the idea of the episode. And I like individual scenes in this episode. I mean, maybe that's it. Like... All of the scenes were very good in this episode. There wasn't a, there weren't any parts of it that I felt necessarily bored by, or like I was watching something, you know, 
stupid or annoying, but, you know, and, and I guess for a first-time watch, not knowing where it does go, it's, you know, if if there were some lingering questions at the end, well, that was kind of distracted away by that last Troy and Data scene, in a way. Yeah, I suppose so, and... I think that, you know, we should talk about data because we, we, we've sort of talked, we've sort of skirted around the issue. Yeah. But, you know, really, I think when the episode comes out and it's called Tin Man, you know, your your reaction probably was that it was, it was. It was going to be referring to data, which it isn't. It's referring to this creature, but it is a data episode in some respects. Um, I think this is the one episode where it sort of falls down, though, because... We've had a lot of interactions with Data. We've had Data episodes where he's trying to figure out his place. He seems to be able to interact with the crew. He's able to make friends. I mean, he sort of has this nice relationship with uh, uh, with with Jordy, for instance. They seem to be becoming friends, right? Yeah. Um, and at the same time in this episode, we're told that Data doesn't feel like he belongs here. And this is kind of a personal growth episode for Data. In the same what? way that Tam sees Tin Man and they sort of feel like they belong in the same place, Data suddenly realizes that his place is on the Enterprise. Is this I, even a question? I, I didn't realize. I guess I would see. Well, I guess what I would say, it le- it's less as it's something that he comes to decide or comes. But it's something like... I don't think he'd ever thought the question before. And, you know, in a way, he's... The Enterprise is where he is. It's what he thought was the best place to be, and he got there, and he's kind of there, and he knows he's different from any... You know, again, we talk about how maybe Data doesn't think he has emotions because he doesn't recognize what they are. So, um... True. And so I think of him not really... You know, fish don't realize that they're in water. He doesn't necessarily realize that... He has a place on the Enterprise, but he sees somebody who is so out of place, who is such a fish out of water, and he meets this creature who is such a different being, and he does see that how the two of them have strived to find each other, and how much work it was for Tam and for the uh, for the Iron Giant, for Tin Man to uh, find each other in the struggle, and I guess in a way for Data, he's realizing that he doesn't have problems feeling connected to people, that he has all of these people on the ship who respect his opinion and listen to him and don't expect him to fuck up. I mean, everyone sees Tam in this episode and they think of him as a time bomb, which kind of he is, but nobody's ever worried about Data. No, everybody knows that when you put Data in charge, he's going to do it very right. You know, Data has everybody's complete trust. I think it's less him, you know, learning or growing into being in this place here, but more realizing that I've been home the whole time, kind of. I mean, talk about Tin Man, you know, that brings to mind Wizard of Oz, you know, and one of the themes of that movie is that, you know, in a way, home is where the heart is. It's, you know, there is no place like home. There's no place like the Enterprise. Sure. Yeah, I, I I can certainly see that interpretation. I liked and it for sentimental reasons, okay? I think that, well, that's fine. I mean, I think if the episode works for you on an emotional level, it works for you. And I think for me, it, it, it didn't, frankly. But um, there's that... Wow, I do have feelings. Oh, you do. <laughs> um, I just really hope it doesn't cause you to break down like lol. Aww. Let's pour one out for lol. There, there is that one line that... I like from Tam where he's talking to data and data is sort of 
I don't exactly remember what the details of the conversation were, but, um, you know, it's sort of towards the end of the episode and, and, and Tam says, uh, uh, perhaps you're just different. It's not a sin, you know, although oh, yeah. you may have been told otherwise. And I thought that that was the, that was the clearest the show has ever gone towards telling the audience that data thinks of himself in a certain way less because he is that way and more because people have told him that he's that way and it's the equivalent of an internalized racism or something yes Uh, yeah absolutely and i'm not sure where the episode goes with that i think that data seems to think that tam is overstating things a bit but at the same time, by the end of the episode, Data has come to this conclusion that, yes, he, he belongs here and this is where he, he is and he's been home the whole time, as, as you put it. Well, I think he realizes that so the interesting thing about Tam is that he does have the ability to appreciate these creatures that are so different solely for the fact that they are. I mean, right. he talks about this planet where, you know, he says it has they have this three-day ritual to say hello to each other. And... You know, to every single other person in the galaxy, that probably seems like the most horrible, boring planet. And to him, it's just fascinating because it is so different from, you know, he is able to separate everything. Well, I think actually you're misreading that a little bit. I got the impression that he liked that planet because their minds were extremely slow. Exactly. What I'm saying, yeah. And he has this, you know, we haven't talked about it, but he's a telepath. He's a betazoid. and. Um, again, it's something that I, the, the, you know, this is kind of a pet peeve and, you know, I don't, I don't want to go down a tangent, but, um, you know, another Betazoid where we don't learn anything about Betazoid culture at all, uh, yeah. that frankly, I don't know why he's a Betazoid, um, that he was most Betazoids we learn develop their telepathic abilities during puberty and he was born with them. And basically that causes you to go sort of insane. So he can't. He and he's not able to shut anything out, yeah. right? So his telepathic abilities are just so strong that he can sort of read everyone's thoughts and feel everything everyone is feeling on the Enterprise, and it's just sort of this cacophony of noise in his head all the time, which I guess he's learned to deal with, but it, he can't Partly, ever really yeah. shut it out. And so he likes that planet because he's able to process all of these yeah. thoughts that are coming at him because they just think so slowly. But at the same time, he, all, all, you know, the, the, the Tin Man speaks extremely fast. Again, he has a lifetime experience in seconds, but it, he does attract to it because it is such a different mind. He says, you know, the second I heard about this mission, I had to leave this place I was comfortable at. So, yes, that's the particular reason why this particular culture appeals to him. But at the same time, that's been that wasn't his only mission he's done. And you get he's you know, you're told he goes to find the weirdest species. He goes to find the species that nobody understands. I wish they had gone into what this disaster that he had done was a little more. I mean, he they talk around it, but I wanted to know the exact circumstances. What was the offense that, you know, happened? What what? didn't you know tam do well enough you know what you know i don't know yeah because Riker seems to have some thoughts about it and and tam sort of you know is is very clear to Riker that he knows how Riker feels about him you know i don't know yeah we're told there was some kind of cultural taboo that you know they the, the the federation you know people violated that caused this race to kill them um we're told that he you know, Riker's point is, you know, well, even if that's the case, 
you know, Tam should have known that this would be one of their things. And Tam himself says, you know, what if I'd warned the captain, you know, a little too much? What if I, you know, was a little too into their culture to really realize that the Federation was going, you know, was violating something? You know, he's, he does blame himself in a way for this. And in a way that's not necessarily inappropriate, but... No, I don't think it's inappropriate, and we we don't have enough information to really know whether it's inappropriate or not. Yeah, I guess I wish we could have seen her—I wish we could have really heard his story. I think what we see from the way Tam operates on the Enterprise, I can certainly see people not liking him and not liking the way that he works, though. Because he does keep information back from people that obviously need to know this information. Yeah, I mean, the implication, I guess, was it, you know, what he did was something similar to— with Tin Man and the Romulan ship. Yeah, exactly. You know, something where maybe he did mean it with the best of intentions, you know. Uh, what is it? It's, it's the Troy who says, you know, he acted on instinct rather than, you know. And, and there you go. You know, these, you know, it's almost, you think about what they say for Vulcans have these emotional instincts. And yet, you know, their society is based on suppressing that for logic and you know, many of the characters, again, one of the main themes of the show is that there are things that you need to downplay in order for your job, for your duty, for your, you know, for whatever value you have. And I think at the end of the day, though, what what's interesting about Tam is that he obviously is going to be leaving his job and he's leaving the Federation because he's going off with the Tin Man. Yeah. And what it seems to me about the character is that he always wants to be alone because of course he, he can't shut out the the noise. Um, and he likes it when he can either go to a planet where things are fairly quiet or he likes talking to data because data, he can't read data and he gets to know him. But it's kind of, I think ironic or bittersweet at the end of the episode where he realizes that he doesn't want to be alone. He wants to be with Tin Man and he wants to be with this ship because it's just one entity. And so he's never really going to be able to get away from minds. So he's able to get away from them by yeah. just being with one other mind. And it's a mind that the two of them seem to complement each other and they seem to understand each other. You know, he's I, I think the thing is for for Tam, most minds have been have been noise, have been a violation have been, you know, just something outside of him that's assaultive in a way. And this is a mind that he can, I don't know, that that, it, it, that he can love in a way, you know what I mean? Like the data becomes his first person that he sees that he gets to know as a regular person, but Tin Man becomes the entity that he's able to, I don't know, spend his life with. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, data's the first, you know, data's the first fling and Tin Man's, you know, the, the, the marriage. That's a little weird. Yeah, but, but we'll we'll go with it. Yeah. Um. Well, I I'm curious to get your thoughts on Troy's role in all of this because she seems to also kind of keep some information back from them. She doesn't really explain a lot of the circumstances around Tam, and if he's okay now like because she says that she 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 learned she she uh, dealt with him when he was a patient at a hospital she was she was working at or something and she does kind of go into some detail but she doesn't really um give picard a lot of information well, how about much it. is she allowed to i don't know they don't seem to have uh doctor patient confidentiality yeah. in the future so 
uh i i I think that she could probably give picard as much information as she wanted or as the plot requires yeah of course uh but i like it because it's another area where we're able to see that troy is probably good at her job yeah and that she was able to form a relationship with tam while they were in this hospital and that she's able to to to, to bank on that relationship even now and to call him out and say look you know what what's going on with you and I wish we had gotten more of that because I think when they use Troy appropriately, she's a really strong addition to the show. Yeah. Uh, and they can tell more interesting, more psychological types of stories using her. I mean, she does, in a way, serve as a proxy to explain the psychologies of certain characters. Um, this being an obvious version of that, she doesn't do as much of that as she could. And that's a way we can get into more sophisticated or complicated or esoteric cultures i think that's true and it also makes me think that you know troy perhaps shouldn't be on the bridge i mean i see why they put her on the bridge because she wouldn't be in the show very much otherwise frankly but i kind of wish that they used her in a different way in the show like if they had once an episode whoever has the a plot goes to troy's quarters and they have a scene yeah like she talks a lot about being a counselor which is basically like being a therapist but we don't get to see her doing a lot of that so i I kind of wish that we got to see her do more of that Um, (laughs) i think it would make her seem like a more competent officer frankly yeah and i mean we don't maybe we don't know how long she's on the bridge for you know maybe she just stops by for an hour a day, you know, and we just happen to see that one hour and that happens to be the hour that the most exciting things happen on the bridge. You know, yeah, maybe sure. She's, maybe she, you know, does have a recurring appointment with, you know, Captain Picard in his ready room and, you know, she just kind of hangs out for a little while. I think afterwards. she kind of does. I mean, I think we, we, yeah. we see her t- talking to Picard in some respects and I think, you know, she is a sounding board for Picard, but, but yeah. she's also, you know, being a counselor. To yeah, him. She, and... she's not his personal counselor. Yeah, and then also I think at the end of the episode, Troy is counseling Data in a way, and and yeah. she's she's able to sort of listen to him because you know she's not doing a lot of talking in that scene, and then she's able to comfort him at the very end. I mean, yeah. that was one of the interesting things I thought at the very end of the episode where she sort of lightly touches him. And yeah, I thought it was a very nice moment. It's a very yeah, I would say it's a very intimate moment. You know, she's not quite giving him a hug. It would not be. You can't ever see Data getting a hug from anybody. You know, her touching his arm like that is a very, it's a very close moment between the two of them. It's her, you know, saying, you know, no, you are right. This is your place. She is very happy that he's come to that realization. You know, remember how she says in that one episode, you know, when I come to have a person, uh, you know, when, when I get a person whole or I help somebody over a crisis, you know, that's the satisfaction that I get in my job. I mean, she is getting a bit of that. This is job well done for Troy in, at the end of this episode, too. Yeah, I think so. The two people who are near her that have had a little bit of a crisis have found homes. I just wish I could say job well done for this episode. It was not a horrible episode. I give it five internal carbon monoxide chambers. I will give it four. Okay. All right, well, next week we are talking about Hollow Pursuits, and The Most Toys. Oh, I love toys. We'll see you then.